Welcome to the Internet of Nature podcast, your home for open and thought-provoking conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators on their technologies for building greener and smarter cities. Hi everyone, I'm Nadine Khalla, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Internet of Nature podcast. This week, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Puk van Dijk. I met Puk at the premiere of her immersive audio tree tour, Giants of North, or Reuze van Noord in Dutch. And she graciously accepted my invitation to tell us more about the project on the show. Puk is a theater director with a green heart. She creates in these immersive theater productions, typically around social and climate related issues. Having a background in philosophy, Book is always looking for ways to make her stories accessible to a much broader audience. She uses a variety of technology, some of which we'll learn about today, as a tool to enhance the audience's sense of immersion in her work. Book is the artistic director of Play Productions and is based in Amsterdam. Enjoy this conversation with Book. Okay, Book, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, you're welcome. So uh, I had the pleasure of experiencing the premiere of the Reuze van North or the Giants of North audio immersive experience. And I would love for you uh, to kick us off, maybe to introduce yourself to our listeners and what you do. Yeah, so I am Puk van Dijk, um, born but not really raised in the Netherlands, in The Hague. Uh, most of my life been traveling all over the world with my parents, Um, and then, you know, at 18, decided to move to Amsterdam because I wanted to be an actress. But I didn't become an actress. I became a theater director instead, which gave me much more freedom and, and artistic um, space, basically, to, to make uh, the things I wanted to make. Um, so I've been doing that um, ever since, uh, from 18 on onwards. I, I went to the theater school um, in Amsterdam. Uh, a long time ago <laughs> and after that I studied philosophy uh, at the University of Amsterdam and the Free University and I mastered in kind of this practical side of philosophy where um, the belief is that philosophy is something of the people and something that you practice and do by amongst others um, uh, participating in art for example so this is where my theater love for theater and love for philosophy really came together. And I think that also kind of um, shows a bit or is illustrative for the work I make. So it's work that ho hopefully makes you think about stuff. <laughs> yeah, that that it did. Absolutely. And can you tell can you tell us a little bit more about what the Reuze van Noort project is and, and how it came to be? Yeah, sure. So as you said, um, You mentioned the word immersive, which is a very hip word now, um, but it does resonate with the stuff that I do, the work that I make, um, since the theater and the kind of performances I make are uh, very much immersive in the sense that I um, want to immerse you in a reality of a story, a show or whatever. And I love using um, the space as, as it is. So in the case of uh, Giants of North, um, the outdoors, so the, the 
public domain, the, the streets and, and the parks and the places where people just move every day. Um, so location-based is really my, my thing, um, has always been. Uh, and uh, Reuze van Noord, so Giants of North, is very much location-based. And not only because you walk, uh, it's a kind of an audio tour setup. So you walk through a neighborhood, or actually two neighborhoods, about 50 minutes. Um, but it's also, its content is also based on that neighborhood. So you're not only walking through the neighborhood, but you're also learning something about the place you walk through. Um, and it all started with two separate ideas I had a year ago in the summer, um, where I, I moved to Amsterdam North uh, when I, maybe five years ago, I guess. And I just fell in love with it instantly. I was kind of a nomadic child, as I said before, and um, Amsterdam North was the first place in a long time that I felt home immediately. So wow. I decided to stay there forever, which I didn't, <laughs> but uh, for a long time. Um, and I really loved the area. It's very green in comparison with the rest of Amsterdam, um, mm -hmm. but it's also, it has its scars, basically. It's been a very poor part of Amsterdam uh, always, um, except for, yeah, let's say the last 15 years or so, mm -hmm. give or take, um, where gentrification, which is of course a, a big thing in all um, big metropoles around the world, uh, really, started to happen in the north of Amsterdam. So a lot of yuppies, as they say, with money came to the north and started to make a life there. And then um, the local government, of course, thought, well, maybe we should also invest a bit because, uh, you know, money is going there. And so this had a big impact on the north. Um, and I thought that was very interesting because I was also part of that problem. I am not an original, you know, northerling. Uh, original uh, inhabitant of, of the north um, and I felt as if I you know was part of the problem I also had a little bit of money I bought a house rented so I didn't participate in the social renting part but I did you know um, pushed up the prices of the houses basically I was part of that problem so I started diving into that, but I also really started developing as a lot of people, I guess, and this is also a bit of your podcast uh, issues, uh, the whole environmental uh, uh, issue that's going on now. It's global warming, and we had a couple of horrible hot summers in the north, well, in whole Amsterdam, basically. Um, but our house, which we bought, that's kind of an interesting story, is a is originally a social house. Mm. Um, so it was it was built very poorly. Uh, it has very bad isolation. Mm. So in the summer, on the backside where where the sun was on, it could easily become like 40 to 45 degrees, yeah. like a sauna, basically. That's hot. It's very hot. <laughs> so it started me thinking also about you know the living conditions uh, of social yeah. housing etc so basically you know the environmental things that were pulling on me and and this mm. kind of this these social themes uh, about north uh, they were pulling me as well and then i thought yeah what if if the the original inhabitants of the north which are the trees because they are the oldest inhabitants mm. 
um, had something to say about it because of course they're also a victim of global warming and these environmental issues but they also suffer from the changes that are happening so quickly uh, due to gen gentrification yeah. um, in this part of the city. So that's where it all started with uh, the, yeah, the themes and the, and the kind of the content and the creative idea of Reuse van Noord. Wow. And then that led to basically giving, giving so I'm very curious how you picked the six different trees that ended yeah. up becoming part of the tour and the, and how those six different trees, how their, their, their personalities and their characters came to life. Yeah. Yeah. So when I had these, you know, the, this idea of what if trees could talk and could tell us about their lives and, and, the, and the issues they're dealing with mm -hmm. in this part of Amsterdam, I thought, well, I have to start uh, with two kind of researches, basically kind of the, the biology part or the nature part and, and, the, and the social part. Yeah. So I started um, reading a lot. Um, for example, the, Seek, the Hidden Life of Trees. I don't know if you know it. Uh, yeah, that's a great book. Great book. Yeah. Uh, a lot of other stuff as well, just to learn a bit more about this kind of yeah, these species that are just so incredible. <laughs> and of course I knew a little bit, but it really opened up also a lot of creativity. I uh, bet, yeah. Because, yeah, because I, I didn't know there were so many parallels between humans and trees. So uh, that even strengthened my concepts because I had this you know, vague intuition that there's a lot of um, parallel themes between trees and, and people. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the wood wide web and um, how, how, how they take care of each other, but also how they have to deal with the place they're born, which is yeah. very typical. Uh, yeah. Also for people in North, you know, yeah. who are um, uh, uh, arbiters, uh, help, help me out. Yeah, like, uh, well, I guess you could say uh, kind of like blue collar workers. Yeah, exactly. From origin they were dock workers mostly in the north mm -hmm. so they were very much also you know immigrants in the north basically mm -hmm. but um yeah they i think north before it actually came became part of of the city of amsterdam they were just villages small small yeah. villages and then these docks started to appear you know the whole industry and then people from the center of amsterdam kind of got moved right. there and started working there and then they made these you know garden villages and so yeah. from then on there was a lot of poverty from from the start basically and and this really sets um out the life you lead there you know if you're yeah. born there then that's just what you have to deal with yeah. and the same counts for trees of course right because yeah that's that's just um what happens you're you're planted somewhere and then you can't do with it. <laughs> um, so, so this kind of research on trees itself was very interesting, and it kind of strengthened the concept. And on the other side, I was also um, working together with a couple of um, social or organizations uh, within mm -hmm. North to learn a bit more about the issues and the topics that were playing there in the different neighborhoods in North, and also to get in contact with people to interview right. because what I, yeah because what i wanted to do is i wanted to you know build or think out a route that you would walk 
not so long, maybe just like 15 minutes or so, through two, actually two and a half different neighborhoods, yeah. very close to the center of Amsterdam, which is the opposite yeah. of the water, yeah. um, where you could get a taste of these issues, but also a taste of the impressive nature that's um, that's yeah. in because it's so close to Central Station, yeah. to the city center where everybody's just drinking beers and <laughs> uh, it's just out there. Yeah. Um, so I interviewed, you know, after doing my research and talking to all these different people, I chose 15 uh, people uh, from the neighborhood. So just neighbors that that lived there right. who had in their own way, a you know, a story to tell. Right. And I interviewed them, um, each of them for like two hours or so, an hour and a half, just asking about their life, how they deal with the changes in their personal life, but also the changes in their street and their neighborhood and, and that area. Mm. Um, so I had a, a, I had a few different topics to talk about. Um, and in the end, it, yeah, just really naturally came out in these kind of six themes that I, that I wanted to integrate in the audio tour. Mm. And, um, and I always knew I had to go from, you know, documentary to fiction because I didn't want it to be like a documentary kind of mm. style. I'm very much a, a fiction maker myself. Um, but, you know, transforming these stories into trees actually makes it fiction, very much fictional. Right, right. Kind of magical in a way. It feels a little bit like Disney some, some, sometimes, you know, that like teacups are talking. and Yeah, 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 yeah for um, sure. But I, I really like that because it really helps you to, you know, get a little bit more distance from these very, you know, rough emotional themes and these mm -hmm. really hardcore stories. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if they're being told by the pe people themselves, it can be, you know, maybe a bit too much in your face. And what I really liked is that the trees kind of objectified it a bit, I guess, in a way. Yeah. For, for us humans, at least. Um, but in the same way, and this is, I guess, what it, what is at the core of this project and what was my main goal with it, like the underlying goal, mm. is that I wanted the people that did the audio tour, so the audience to, um, you know, kind of use that anthropomorphic um, trick, I guess, because trees are talking as if they were humans to get more empathy for trees. Um, yeah. Because if you feel more empathy, then you're more likely to treat them with respect because you yeah. know them, because they have a name, because they have a story, because they have a past, because yeah. they've started a friendship with you uh, in the interaction uh, yeah. during the audio tour. So yeah. that was um, my main goal basically to, to do that. And then my, you know, my second goal was to, of course, you know, let people, um, learn about the issues that are at stake in the North. Right, right. Yeah, strangely enough, it has actually a lot of parallels with um, the work that Peter Wallabine of The Hidden Life of Trees talks about that um, and the Wood Wide Web concept, which um, came about or was really popularized by Dr. Suzanne Samard yeah. uh, at the University of British Columbia. And she's actually, as a scientist in the last 30 years, has gotten a lot of flack about 
anthropomorphizing this yeah. idea of tree communication, which is a question that I wanted to ask you about if if you've gotten any critique like that, because mm-hmm. for her, a lot of, and I guess, you know, this is very much, you know, we get a little bit more leeway when you set it up as this is a theatrical production meant to raise awareness, as opposed to, in her case, this is scientific research. And she really, I think, got a lot of the same backlash, like someone that, you know, Jean Goodall got for naming her chimpanzees. Dr. Suzanne Simard had the same problem when she would talk about that, um, you know, trees were maybe not associating with each other, but in fact, communicating with each other. And she always says, you know, okay, um, if it, but if you don't want me to call it communication, what would you like me to call it? You know, and she often talks about the indigenous populations, um, you know, which were the original inhabitants of these forest landscapes that she would study, you know, they had 10, 20, 30 different words for what, what we simply only know to be communication. So the only really word that we have in the English language is to call it communication. Um, when in fact, you know, perhaps this is something that, you know, indigenous populations knew about for many, many years, but, you know, the kind of the, the Western lens of science is, is, is not able to grasp such an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. I think the way to, and that's really why Dr. Suzanne uh, Samar does it as well, is the way to build empathy between humans and nature around them, whether it's trees or nature, any other kind of species, is to raise that empathy through being able to relate to one another. And there's nothing like, you know, hearing the story of, I think it was Fred who was living beside the highway, a very busy street, lots of air pollution, of course. And throughout his life story, of course, he would cough a lot, almost like, you know, he had been a heavy smoker for decades. Um, But in a way he had been because he had been living beside, you know, the smog and the pollution of the of the highway. So tell tell me a little bit more about maybe some insight into how those characters came to be. Yeah. Um, Well, part of it, of course, yeah is a bit intuitive, I guess, while listening to the stories, the interviews I was doing, you know, these kind of intuitions came up like, oh, this is interesting. He's talking about his health, Mm. about, so this was a a neighbor of mine also called Fred actually. So the character you're talking about was actually based on him. Right. And and this neighbor, you know, he's like a bodybuilder, uh, very tough guy, but he's older. So he's, he's like in, way in his 60s Mm. Uh, but he's been a painter as well his whole life just painting houses so his whole back is destroyed it has like he had like tons of operations and like metals in his spine and whatever like horrible so he can't walk barely walks Um, but he still goes to the gym every day to lift which is weird because you you have all these pains and but you know so he there's this kind of cultural thing where at least he thinks that men should look in a certain way and should behave in a certain way and also um, keep up his body in, in a way, like to, to, to take care of himself. He actually called it self-care, um, you know, which is a bit contradictory because he's also really hurting himself while lifting yeah. heavy weights. Um, but for him, you know, that's, that's a part of the lifestyle, I guess. And, you know, it was very, when, when I was walking around, so what I did is I, I recorded all the interviews I did and I started walking around in the, in the neighborhood that I somewhere wanted to plant these kind of characters of the trees. 
And I had my, you know, the interviews on while listening to them just to kind of get in inspired. And, and I walked by this tree, which is an amazing tree, a huge tree. Uh, actually in a great part of the city as well. Like it's it's kind of like somewhere behind mm -hmm. something. So you don't, you know, you don't easily come there. Yeah. Kind of the streets, you know, some place where you won't easily go if you're just visiting the north. You, you right. really have to look for it. Um, but it's also right next to the biggest tunnel that goes from the north under yeah. the water to the city center. Um, so there's like trucks and like whatever traffic 24-7 going through. And it is also a place where people dump their waste. Yeah. So it's like a double whammy, basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. Beautiful trees just standing there, you know, 25 meters tall, looking over Amsterdam North, but also yeah. over his own pollution everywhere. Yeah. So his, whole, his whole trunk and, and, and his roots, there is like scattered. Yeah. dirt and waste everywhere but like he horrible. said that he he fred the tree he said yeah. that 80 percent of the soil there was polluted yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's not that's not an ideal growing condition especially if no. you have no choice but to grow there yes exactly so he has no choice but to grow there mm. and he also says like yeah you know i i can't help myself because i have to use the soil to grow I can't I cannot do that I'm just a no. tree you know I just yeah. and so this is something so almost everything you heard in his in in his monologue is all extracted from the interviews so yeah. Fred my neighbor actually said like you know I can't help myself to 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 keep building myself you know right. I, I know it's bad for me right. but it's also you know it's it's my lifestyle. It's it's who I am. It's my identity, um, and and I find these like small things very interesting. That the things yeah. he says as a human being, you know, count one on one for a tree. Like he's yeah, he he needs to grow. That's yeah. that's his his raison d'être. I mean, a tree grows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. and uh, and he'll he'll do anything to grow, even if it means to you know to take up polluted soil and sure. and um, poison even because there's like old refrigerators you know being dumped yeah. uh, there and, and whatever you know plastics and, and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so Fred is I think very exemplary of almost a one of one on one so I had an interview with Fred and I walked uh, by that tree that is now Fred uh, and I just instantly thought, yeah, this, this is it. And then basically you start writing out the transcript of the interview and then taking out stuff that really works well yeah. as a metaphor for the tree as well. And then right. start making a story of it. And I really wanted it to be um, the whole audio tour to be very easy, accessible. So for people from eight years on, yeah. basically so it shouldn't be too complicated language it shouldn't be too long yeah so I said it has to be maximum one a4 like one one right. one page of text maximum yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was quite a challenge for, for yeah me. I bet <laughs> yeah. yeah because there's so much to tell also not only on the human side of the story but also on the tree side of, of the story there's so much information so much yeah. stuff I learned about the biology of trees that I wanted to integrate but as you asked before, 
Um, I really wanted to make characters out of them. Mm -hmm. I really wanted, my main goal was to create this empathy, right? So in, in that sense, I wanted to yeah, humif humify them or, or just yeah. to, to, to make them more human. Yeah. Um, and so actually we, we were, we were um, playing the shows and uh, there were a few, especially ladies, <laughs> they were very critical. Uh, yeah about this anthropomorphing of the trees yeah yeah because they expected something else maybe they didn't really read the flyer text or you know i don't know they these were people that came to the premiere yeah, so and then gave audience, you the feedback after okay yeah exactly so people who visited the show right uh, who did the audio audio tour and right. they came back really you know almost angry not a lot i think there were like three couples so six mm. people in, in total that were very, yeah, almost annoyed in the sense that they expected a more traditional audio tour where mm. you would learn something about the flora and fauna of the North. Right. Like, right. Just, you know, what kind of tree is it? When was he built sure. or, or planted yeah. here and et cetera. And more yeah. about the history of the area itself, mm. um, because historically, of course, it's interesting. Sure. Villages and then, you know, the whole transformation. Which is in the stories, but it's not explicit. Like it's more the focus on the the characters or the stories of the characters. Yeah, they're 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 personal stories. So they're about yeah. that singular particular tree yeah. with its own character, with its own fears right. or its own struggles, right. and not so much about you know his kind and about you know, the facts of, of, um, of, of his living there. Yeah. So, so this was a kind of, yeah, there, there, there was a little bit of critique, but I think that had to do with, I guess, the expectations that if you're talking about trees, it should be more objective, I guess. So in yeah, that sense, which is it interesting. Kind of sounds like the critique you were mentioning earlier. Yeah. 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 To be, I mean, these are not trees. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She, yeah. she was telling me like she was frustrated that they sounded more like humans than than trees, because tree, trees would never talk like that. Trees would never show their emotions like that. So she was kind of um, critical in that in that sense. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if uh, she's been able to talk to any trees and let us know if that's indeed yeah. the case. <laughs> That would be but very yeah, yeah, it was it was funny because I I had the complete opposite reaction. We were saying to each other, you know, what a breath of fresh air it was that it wasn't your traditional audio tour with you know the the facts and 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 figures about the flora and fauna that were there and when and the date of planting and. Um, I think there's there's a lot of that in the world and I think this audio tour is completely unique in that sense that not only in in its format of having these stories behind the tree but also the fact that you know these are um, northerners spoken to you by northerners to tell you stories about the north I mean it's just it's an it's another way to better understand the neighborhood it's mm -hmm. almost you know that the 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 trees are um, the vehicle for sharing that knowledge, but it's not necessarily only about the tree in itself. Yeah. So yeah. that's I um, 
I want to spend a moment and talk about the, the the tree that really almost brought me to tears was Mariah. Yeah, so you can tell you can tell us a little bit more without giving too much away because um, yeah, of course I want everybody listening to this to go uh, to go experience it for themselves. But tell me about how how Mariah the tree came to be. Yeah, so she's the audience favorite. Um, I, I I can relate to that in a in a way because. Um, without telling too much about it. So basically it started out when, when I just moved to the North, we have a dog and this is a great way to get to know your neighborhood, right? Because you have to walk yeah. the dog anyway and all the dog, yeah. dog owners are out at the same time. So you're like, yeah. hey, good morning, good morning. Yeah. Yeah. So I met this lady who lived a little bit further in my streets um, who had a very rough kind of looking dog, very kind mm-hmm. of aggressive looking dog. But it was actually a great, sweet dog. And um, her dog and my dog could really get along. So, you know, we started chatting. She's a typical northern lady. So um, somewhere in beginning 60s, I guess, um, driving a scoot mobile. So this kind of vehicle uh, because she, she can't walk really well. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and she always has with her a huge bags full of bread, old bread. And she drives around throwing the bread on the streets. And then everybody else in the neighborhood hates her for it because it attracts rats, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of an eccentric lady. She has a hearing problem. So when you talk to her, she always shouts because she can't really hear herself. <laughs> um, but she's she's amazing. She's super sweet and very caring and very sharing as well. So when I ask her, how are you doing? I don't just get a fine, but but a whole story. Like, you know, right. I did that and, and like a story of half an hour. Yeah. Not always, you know, very helpful uh, in the sense that if you're in you're in a you're in a hurry, <laughs> there, there, there's no stopping her. No, uh, no. <clears throat> so we exchanged numbers really quickly. Um, you know, I, I occasionally did some groceries for her, or whatever, or kind of help, helped her out because she was very lonely. Mm. For one, because, you know, the rest of the neighborhood um, didn't really like her because of the bread throwing and right. rats. And of course, this is a typical northern thing. Um, people tell how it is and how, how they're feeling. So they, they don't you know, um, how do you say, beat up around the bush or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, straight to the point. Straight to the point. Mm. Especially Maria. So she, um, she, she just, you know, starts shouting back like, whatever, I do what I do and I don't care if you don't like my bread, la la la. So right. she kind of had some enemies in the, in the area. And, um, and this one day I, I didn't see her in a while because it was busy and I, and I saw her in the morning and I said, Hey, how are you doing? And she said, yeah, well, um, this is the first time I even heard my own voice in four days. And I was like, why? And she's, well, I'm just lonely. And it, it was Corona time. Um, so she was in her house all the time and she just didn't talk for four days with anyone. Yeah. And, and and so she kind of was shocked by even contact hearing her own voice yeah. with me and hearing her own voice and I started asking her about that and then you know a year later or so then this concept of giants of north came 
And I immediately thought of her like, yeah, I, I, I want her as a character in one of the trees mm. because loneliness is a big, big issue, um, not only in the North, um, but also very much in, in these areas. Um, yeah, especially middle-aged and a little bit kind of like older people from let's say 55 plus. Um, this also has to do with gentrification in a way, because um, before before gentrification, basically, um, people would you know being born in the north and then they would you know grow up with their parents there and then they would you know move to a house next door or in the same street or in, at least in the same area. Yeah. And these are all social housing, right? So uh, because of gentrification, all these social houses uh, you know got sold. Um, by me, bought by, by me, for example. Um, and so there were no houses for the children of the original Northerners. So they all moved to like Permarent or other places around Amsterdam. And now even yeah. not there because they can't afford it either because it's being yeah. more expensive. So a lot of these people that were born in the North had children, they lost their children. Yeah. to these changes to to these you know kind of gentrification changes um so her children of of Mariah, my 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 good neighbor they also left um right. so and they had their lives and their children and their busy stuff so there's just no one there yeah yeah and so when i talked to the organizations i worked with in my research on these kind of social issues um in preparation of um the Nords, they also told, told, told me that that this kind of loneliness is, is one of the, the biggest issues that a yeah. lot of people don't go out as much. They don't have a social network um, because they're also very proud because Northerners are very proud people. They're like, no, I can handle it myself. Blah, blah. Mm. Um, and so loneliness was a big theme of the tree you loved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I started looking around in the neighborhood for trees on my roots and I yeah. saw, you know, this tree Yeah. and the tree was very lonely. So it was situated, yeah. it's situated on a square, yeah. um, surrounded by houses, all social yeah. houses and a very big, um, uh, street. So a yeah. very busy yeah. street, but no other trees. So the nearest trees were on the other side of the road. So yeah. she was kind of alone there, but... On the corner of, of the square where she's situated is a um, food, so how do you say a it? Food, a food bank. A food bank, exactly. Yeah. Food so bank. Um, and this is another huge topic in, in North. You know, yeah. hunger and, and poverty. Um, yeah. It's huge. And um, I thought, yeah, how do I integrate these two themes together, loneliness and yeah. also basically hunger or, or poverty and the need for help, yeah. external help, basically, um, yeah. which is also very, uh, how do you say, it's um, typical for, for the North that there are a lot, a lot of social organizations, a lot, yeah. maybe yeah. a bit too much. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, for every you know minority or every problem, there's there's like fifty 
organizations right. or groups that help people with certain needs or whatever sure um which is also problematic because they they're not really helping each other uh, sure so yeah it's a little bit fragmented very very fragmented yeah yeah but the but the food bank is right there and so this was one of these you know creative processes where you try to bring in all these different stories and all these different themes from different interviews as well. So not only my, my neighbor, Maria, but also other people that I talked to about why it's so important to have a network. Yeah. 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 Um, Whether that be with your neighbors or with your, yeah, your neighbors, your, your tree family. roots. Yeah. yeah. And as a tree, you know, that's a huge parallel again. Yeah. Um, the wood wide web trees are connected by mycelium, by by their roots um, and the fungus that moves in between. Yeah. Um, so I thought, yeah, that is like a food bank, basically. Yeah. That's how it works. And yeah. um, so, well, without telling too much about it, that's uh, what happened there. So, so she's a very, you know, kind of introvert, shy lady who's there all alone, and it's kind of, you know shock that you are there to listen to her because nobody ever listens to her yeah and, yeah uh, yeah yeah and she tells about how how trees work and how they're all connected and uh, and how she's not connected because she is placed too far away from other trees to yeah. reach um, which is a uh, yeah which is a shame yeah it's it's beautiful everyone needs to go check it out yeah. <laughs> um and i think one of the things that 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 I really noticed, apart from, of course, the the beautiful stories and the fact that they were also narrated by uh, either people who live in the north or had northern roots as well, which I think is an important component to share, yeah. I was completely blown away by um, the technology that made it possible too. Because, of course, um, an audio tour, successful audio tour, is nothing, of course, with good tech to back it up to make sure that um, you know it works. That when you approach a tree, that you hear the story and that the the GPS and everything is working. And that's, of course, what this whole podcast is about is, and the whole concept of the internet of nature is how can we actually apply new technologies, not just to the traditional ways that we might do so, but actually to better monitor and manage urban nature and also use it maybe a little bit paradoxically to actually reconnect people to nature as well which I think you know the Giants of North is an incredible example of so so tell us a little bit more about the technology that was used yeah so we worked with the startup before in another uh, performance we did uh, last year and it's it's a startup called Echoes Echoes. Echoes. Yeah. So it's it's basically this kind of immersive audio tour hmm. tech startup. And what I really love because we've researched a lot of different audio tour apps um, before, but you know this is the most I think one of the most um, creative apps I've worked with before, in the sense that you have a lot of artistic freedom. Yeah. Um, to on on the backside, so on the design part, on how on the experience design, how you as an audience member um, experience the audio tour, that has a lot to do with timing and um, kind of you know fading in and out of a story. Um, yeah. Also having the feeling that. Um, 
you know, everything is just right. So, so, so a tree starts talking to you at just the right moments. Yeah. Um, that's, that, that's what, what we really noticed is it's like, we, we couldn't even believe that this was all coming from an app. It just felt like somebody was watching us and pressing a button exactly, exactly when we were in the right yeah, place. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it's, yeah, so it's called geofencing. Um, so you basically walk around in my audio tour with an iPhone around your neck uh, or your own phone, of course. Um, and if you have your GPS location on, the backside of the app really, it's a map of a place anywhere, so uh, of our areas. And you, you, you place echoes, so these are little circles around the object or area or whatever that you want to place an audio fragment on. Right. So for example, the tree Fred, you know, we made an echo that's like, let, let's say three meters bigger than himself. Yeah. Um, so that when you, you, you join him, when you walk towards him at the moment where you're feeling like, is there something going to happen? He starts talking. Yeah. So it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's in that sense, it just really helps to build this experience where you feel things are coming to life Yeah. because it's very narrowed down to a specific location, but also it's um, what I really like about it is that you don't have to look on your phone No. as a user. You, yeah. you don't have to do anything. You just yeah. press play, start walking. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you know there's there's nothing going on here for yeah. you as yeah. a user. Of course, for us there's a lot going on yeah. uh, in designing it in the right yeah. way. But once that's done, it's yeah. super user friendly. Like there's yeah. no tech distracting you from no. from the magic of the story and the tour. No. And that for me is like the most important thing of using Echoes because it's the only app that I know of that is so intuitive for the end user. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Because it, it seems like a small change because I've been on audio tours in the past where at each location you have to scan something exactly. with your phone, right? Where you scan the QR code or whatever it is. Um, but that immediately takes you out of it because you're grabbing yeah. your phone again. Maybe you're distracted by something else that has come in or... And, and then you have to walk into and only then does it start talking versus here, you know, you're kind of looking at you're so much more immersed in actually the reality of the outdoors rather than, OK, am I going the right way or, you know, okay. do I have to turn left or right? And even I mean, it was amazing. The three poplar trees, the three ladies, the three gossiping ladies who were talking about um, their fellow neighboring tree that was, is actually going to be cut down by the end of the year. What I loved about that is as soon as you kind of went onto the pass, you started to hear faint voices of them yeah. chatting. And as in the closer and closer that you got, you know, they would see some, they're coming, they're coming. And they're, you know, they're they're talking about you as a user approaching them. And then as soon as you get close enough, it would it, they would say, Oh, you know, so great that you're here, you know, come and stand in the middle of us of the three different trees. Yeah. And it was um I mean, you, you didn't look at your phone once. You were for that, for that, what, you said it was 50 minutes. I mean, we really spent our time. I think we were out there for like an hour and a half, two oh, hours almost. <laughs> <laughs> we were really taking everything in. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it, it's such a, a small um difference to perhaps on the on the on the on the tech side it doesn't seem like a lot but it it's it does wonders for the entire experience yeah yeah, yeah. and still i mean there is a lot of buggy stuff going on on the backside 
I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but but I have to say that um, as a maker myself, I think it's very much worth um, working with one specific technology for more projects than one because it really for me this was the second time working with echoes and it really helped me also in an artistic sense that i knew what the app could and could not do for me so it really inspired me as well like oh this is cool because you can walk towards an echo and the volume starts going up for example which which i didn't know on beforehand and now i know that so it kind of you know influences my artistic process as well um so yeah so it's I think it's very, even though the technology isn't there completely mm-hmm. and it still has its flaws, I think it's very much worthwhile to, you know, if it works in the basic sense to kind of stay with them for a while. Right, right, <laughs> right. E- Echoes themselves are also evolving and they're trying out new stuff and they're they're sharing that with us. So it's a great yeah, yeah way to, to work with these kind of tech companies as well. Yeah. What, what what lessons would you give to because um, hopefully when people listen to this they might be inspired to maybe even develop and design their own audio tour in their own city what lessons and advice would you give uh, to someone that wanted to use audio immersive experiences in this way one word test 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 um test with live audience don't test it for yourself but you know if you're um if you have the opportunity test in a very early stage just Mm. make a demo uh, you know basically just you know uh record a few things put them in in the audio app whichever you're you're using and test it with like at least 20 people at the same time because then you yeah. also know how it works when there's a lot of people a lot of movement yeah yeah gps on 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 phones varies a lot so yeah. one brand and the one software isn't the other so mm. test with with a variety of different devices as well right you know th- that's i think the most important lesson we've learned that you know the past few years um and in a very early stage, we start inviting test audience, getting their feedback. Also test the, the, the routing, so the instructions on the route. Right. The wayfinding, that's the thing you really need to test out because you think it's logical if yeah. there's an arrow going that way or, or if someone tells you to go to the right. But your audience will always behave different than you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so test, test, test. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's good advice. That's good advice. Um, so with an eye on the time, uh, tell the listeners where um, where they can experience the Giants of North. Because uh, this was the premiere. But of course, yeah. luckily, uh, Giants of North is, is here to stay. Yeah. Um, so, so tell us where uh, where our listeners can uh, can experience it themselves. Yeah, so it's it's going to be here for at least a half a year in the north of Amsterdam at the Tolhuistuin, um, which is just opposite of Central Station on the other side of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to our website www.playproductions.org, mm-hmm. um, that is where you can find more information about Reuze van Noord. And that's where there's there's going to be the QR code that you can, uh, you know, scan on your own phone, and then you can go to the starting point at Tolhuistuin, 
yeah. uh, with your own device and your own headphones and start doing uh, Reuze van North. Yeah. Right. Amazing. And uh, and where can people find you if they're so inspired they, they want to design their own audio tour? Where can they find yeah. you? Yeah, also via playproductions.org. Uh, just give us a call or an email and uh, I'm there. And I'm also... Uh, I'm a resident of the Toolhouse Town, which is like an, you know, a big creative organization and they have um, mm. different offices and, and I have my own office there. So uh, if you're there and you're standing there with your own device, just wave because I'll be looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And um, the last question that I ask all of my guests who come on the podcast is what does the Internet of Nature mean to you? great question i didn't even think about that um well it's uh, it's still in it's still in in progress i think what i'm what i've been taught you know before is that these are two separate things mm-hmm. you know like the kind of the technology part and the nature part but what i've been learning by also doing this project is that um everything i know technology and human wise (laughs) comes and has its origin from nature so nothing surprises me anymore because you can find everything going back to its origin yeah 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 no absolutely I think that's a beautiful place to end it on and I can't encourage everyone enough (laughs) if you're in Amsterdam and we should mention understand Dutch because the audio tour is in Dutch Dutch still yeah Um, maybe in the future we'll, we'll make an English version but yeah then uh, you have to check it out. It is um, seriously an immersive, original, and at times tear-jerking experience that really kind of makes you see the trees in a, in a whole new light. I know that I won't be biking past those trees in the same way ever again. Ever again, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Great. Thanks for coming on. All right. Well, that was a really fun interview. I learned a lot from Book, and I hope you liked it too. If you did, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast now and leave us a review. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week with not one, but two guests, Ben Seamark and Tom Davey, co-founders of their tree management software, Forestry. It's sure to be a great episode, so don't miss it. In the meantime, if you're in Amsterdam and you understand Dutch, make sure to check out the Giants of North audio tour. Trust me, you'll be happy you did. For more information, visit playproductions.org. Thank you for listening to the Internet of Nature podcast. This show was produced by Studio Nordgestort.